Welcome to episode five of Cancer with Craig, managing your illness as a project. My name is Kirk Faulkner, and this is Mr. Craig Faulkner with me. Welcome, everybody. Delighted to have you. And this is a special Father's Day episode. Yes, we're recording this on Father's Day. Imagine that. We just had a great Father's Day breakfast and some fun presents. Yeah. Got you a Frankie t-shirt. Frankie (laughs) t-shirt. Well, maybe we'll make those t-shirts available on the website. (laughs) But we have a great episode for you today, a little bit of a harder episode where this one is called Setbacks. And we're going to talk about what you do when you run into problems, both project and also when you're managing your illness. I think so many times when we are involved in projects, the successes are great and we always want to celebrate the successes. But really, test of a true successful project manager is how do you handle a setback and how do you tackle the problems? How do you frame those problems up in your mind so a setback doesn't freeze you up to move forward? And I was reminded of that this week, Kirk, as I went to the doctor and they are keeping a very close eye on me because of the stem cell transplant. They're watching all my blood levels and they're very concerned about me having any kind of infections, any kind of viruses because my immune system was brought down, as I think we mentioned in one of the last episodes. Right. A couple of things happened this last week that I'll call a setback. This isn't a complaint. This is an observation. It's just, it's just what's going on. Oddly enough, these appointments were stacked up. I had these two appointments the same day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. In the morning, I went to the spine specialist who operated on my L3 vertebrae. And I went there because we're monitoring the lesions, we're monitoring the tumors that are on my spine. He said, well, the good news is a lot of the lesions and tumors are going down in size. And then he he said, but the one thing we need to do is we need to keep an eye on this one section in the middle of your back where there is potentially some encroachment from the tumors that could put pressure on your spinal cord. And I said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> really? Just just that? Just, just pressure that. on my spinal cord? And he said, well, are you having any numbness in your thighs? Do you still have the ability to walk? And I said, yeah, I don't have any kind of symptoms. He said, then it's probably nothing to worry about. For those of you who know me, well know that when something comes up, I do tend to worry, especially when it has to do with your spine, especially when I was incapacitated for two months in a wheelchair when my L3 vertebrae collapsed. I would call that a setback. I would call that a problem. And where my mind immediately went was, what can we do about it if it progresses? If I do indeed get these symptoms, what do we do? So I asked the question and he said, oh, well, it's not a problem. We scrape around the spinal cord, remove some of the, I don't know, it's tissue, but remove whatever is impinging the spinal cord. And he said, we do it all the time and it fixes the problem. And he said, it's about a six week rehab. And that was enough to kind of calm me down because I knew that there was a fix. Yeah, you at least had something that you could try. There was a solution on the table. Nothing's more anxiety inducing than a problem with no solution in sight. Exactly. Then the second thing that happened later that day, actually at 4.30 in the afternoon, is I went to my oncologist. He's a great guy, Dr. Ball, and I had a great discussion with the nurse practitioner. Typically what happens is a nurse practitioner comes in, she reviews all the medications, she reviews some of the general information. And then the doctor comes in, Dr. Ball comes in to review the results of some of the tests because I'm doing blood tests a couple of times a week. And he said, everything looks pretty good. I'm a little disappointed that the M spike hasn't come down. 
And I said, well, remind me what the M-spike is. It says, well, the M-spike is really the marker that we really watch to determine whether or not the multiple myeloma is being effectively managed or reduced or eliminated, pushing you into a full remission. Right. It's like one of the main indicators for both having multiple myeloma and where it's at. That's right. It's a key indicator. And he said, your M-spike is the same as where it was prior to the chemoblast and the stim still transplant. <laughs> That's a little aggravating because that wasn't a lot of fun. That was not a lot of fun. And so Marilyn and I both kind of look at each other and we knew we were both not panicked, but disappointed. So I would call that another setback. Now, he assured us at that time, he said, listen, don't worry about it because the chemo is still working, the stem cell transplant, all these things take time, and it had only been three weeks. And he said, we'll revisit this, but I had been doing so well, recovering so well, I wanted to be the A player with the M-spike reading. And so we get home, and we're both kind of silent for an hour or two, and I thought, okay, I've got to get some more information on this. This is just bothering me too much. So I go online to some of the reputable blogs that multiple myeloma patients participate in. And indeed, I did confirm that the stem cell transplant and the chemoblast that I went through can take three months, six months, even up to a year to have the maximum effect. And so it gave me a lot of peace of mind. And again, those two things, there were two bits of information that I got that day, one from the orthopedic surgeon, one from my oncologist. And it was the information that really helped me calm my mind. When I'm managing a project and I get bad news, I rush to get information to see how bad it is, but more importantly is how can I manage that? And I know in other episodes, we've talked about how you have tried to walk a line with Googling things and getting on these message boards where you want enough information to make the right decision, but you don't want so much information that it's causing you to not be able to sleep at night. So when would these setbacks happen? Do you feel like that shifts a lot or that you all of a sudden have a big influx of how much information you want to take in? Or does it seem like more you're just getting barely enough to, to make the decision and then move on? My desire to get information shifts. I'm certainly not to the point where I'm obsessed with it. I have talked to a couple of nurse practitioners who tell me that there are a lot of the multiple myeloma patients that will build spreadsheets and will keep very, very detailed information wow. on their markers. I don't want that kind of detail really in my life. But but the detail that I do want is on particular issues. And that's where I go deep. That's where I try to get the credible information, information that I can trust, that I can rely on, that will give me the information that I can act on or wrap my mind around and be comfortable with. I think when you have a problem, you need to have a gauge inside yourself to know when you've got enough information and then stop. Are you using any apps or technology to track multiple myeloma information? Well, I am. I'm using Evernote. And I think I mentioned that before when I go on some of these blog posts or when I find a good illustration that helps explain something, I'll go ahead and copy that to Evernote. I just have a Evernote icon, a link up in my nav bar on Google, and it's really slick. I've got a multiple myeloma notebook, and that's how I keep track of that information. I don't think I've mentioned this to you yet, but when you got diagnosed, I set up a daily uh, Google alert for multiple myeloma. Oh, really? So every day I get an email 
email synopsis of all of the stories that have come out about multiple myeloma. Have you, do you ever set up Google alerts? You know, I don't. I think that's a great idea. They're really I cool. Like They're uh, especially if you're like looking to just get into one subject for a little while. Mm-hmm. Just type in Google alert and you go there and you can type in a phrase and you can pick the frequency you get it and how deep you want to dive with mm-hmm. it. But it's a really great way to like over a period of time get a sense of what's happening in one area. And yeah, so as soon as you got diagnosed, I was like, well. Let's Google alert that sucker. That's a good thing to do. I'll tell you the other thing I've done, I hear just in the last couple of days, going to my orthopedic surgeon and talking about that potential problem, it's really got me out walking. I needed to wait a week or two or a week to regain a little more of my strength, but I've been walking now and it's, again, action is a great source of relief or comfort when you're dealing with the project. If you are just gleaning information and not acting, I don't think, for me, it does not help. The fact that I walked a half an hour the other day, yesterday I walked an hour, I'm not breaking any land records, but I walked an hour, that coupled with the information I have really gives me a lot of peace and comfort that I can manage the problem. Yeah, it's a bit of a cliche phrase now, but paralysis by analysis is a real thing where you can spend so much time gathering information that makes it much harder to take an action that you don't have too many things in front of you. So sometimes a little information and a little action is the way to go. That's right. On the point of the amount of information, you have this illness, and I know that people always meaning well or ask you how you're feeling a lot. When you have a setback, how do you manage telling people that things may not be going so well that week? My tendency is not to talk a lot about it. Except when you make a podcast. Except when I make a podcast. (laughs) And talking about this is a little hard for me, but I'm doing it in the spirit of hoping it helps others. And the reason I don't like to talk a lot about setbacks is it seems to me that many times what people remember are the setbacks or problems and not the successes. In terms of my state of mind and keeping a really positive state of mind, I want to be reminded about the successes and the solutions, not the setbacks. For the listeners to know, I heard about the M spike a little while ago, but I had just heard about the spinal issue this morning. And Much like you said that when the doctor gave you the bad news until he said that there's a thing we can do about it, that you felt kind of anxious. When you tell me that there's something going wrong, until I hear that there's a path, until I hear that there's a solution on the table, I get a lot of anxiety. So that might be something you think about when you're sharing bad news with people is you can tell them bad news, but then assure them that there is something to be done about it because you just are able to relax a little bit more once you hear that. Right. And I I think with all problems on any project, whether it's your health, project at work, a project at home, you have to have the confidence and the faith that there are solutions. And sometimes the solutions, you would pick a different outcome, but there are solutions and ways to effectively handle that. In thinking about setbacks for people who are facing them in their own lives, is there any kind of closing advice that you want to impart to people? Well, I think number one, focus on what you can do. That gives me great peace of mind. If I do the deep drill, find out what I can do, how I can handle that particular problem, that gives me peace of mind. Accept what you can't correct and then build around it. There are things that I will not be able to do because of this illness that would Mm -hmm. be very unwise for me to do. Right now, I have to accept the fact that I, for the next couple of months, can't 
really right. be around people. I can't be in crowds. I can be in small groups if they're not ill. When I came over this morning, my mom was wearing uh, a mask and gloves because <laughs> uh, she's feeling a little sick. Because <laughs> she's got a sore throat. So she's quarantined. And I think you need to really learn the difference between a problem that can be solved and a problem that can't be solved but has to be managed. My example is my cancer. I had to accept the fact that multiple myeloma is a cancer that cannot be cured. There's no cure for it. I've accepted that, but I have then wrapped my mind around the different treatments that they have and how it is not just a death sentence, right. but it's something that can be managed and can be managed for extended periods of time. We hope decades. Decades. <laughs> Centuries. If things played out yeah. really great. Well, as we go forward, we'll definitely be keeping people in the loop on how your M spike is and how things go with your spine, but we all hope that things go really well. This is the fifth episode. We have three out right now. The third episode has been really popular right out the gate and want to say thank you to all the listeners who continue to come on and listen. We're really glad to have you along for the journey. Any final words before we cut out? No, we appreciate you listening. And once again, any suggestions, ideas, please reach out to me. Well, and let me just take a, a moment on this Father's Day to tell you how grateful I am for you and what a great dad you've been my whole life and, and how much I love you. Well, thank you, Kirk. I love you too. All right. And on that note, we will uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks. Thanks.